It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, me, Chucky G, and Karen Frazier. Hi, Karen. How's it going? That was a really resonant voice that you used this evening. I'm thinking of talking really deep this whole evening. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Jane Pooley. Does that sound cool or what? Um, if, if... That I, I I could speak in a southern accent or something. I suppose. Can you? Let me hear your southern accent. Do it. Do no, it. No, right I don't want to insult anybody with a southern accent. Well, you're not insulting if you're. It, isn't mimicking the 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 imitation is the imitation. sincerest form of flattery. There you go. There you go. So you're just imitating. Say hi, y'all. How's it going? Hi, y'all. Hi, y'all. Here you go. Woohoo! That's nice. I like it. Thank so. So this evening we have uh, our guest will be, mm, I don't know if it's, is it Miss or Mrs.? It doesn't just, matter. It's right. Jane we'll just say, Pooley. We'll just say it's Jane Pooley, UFO experiencer and researcher. There's a tongue twister. Say that fast five times. I bet you can't. UFO, I can't remember. What did you say? Experiencer and researcher. <laughs> experiencer UFO and researcher. Ex- well, here's uh-huh. the deal. I, I, yeah. I'm just going to tell you, I have like almost no sleep for right. like 24 hours. So I'm kind of stupid. <laughs> there you go, folks. It's going to be an interesting evening. It's going to be a uh, wild Karen, ride. Like, well, if you hear me talking with the lovely Jane Pooley and you're, you know who it is. It's Karen <laughs> in the try, background. I'll try just to fell mute asleep. before I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny if you didn't because otherwise it'd get really loud. It'd be like, is that the dogs? No, that's Karen. <laughs> it's all right. Usually, <laughs> no, I, it is my dogs. My dogs snore. Yeah. So why why didn't you get any sleep? Tell me why you didn't get any sleep, Karen. Share with because me. Because Monkey was sick, and when she's sick, she paws me in the head. Um, see, and you understand, people. Monkey is it's not a monkey; it's a dog. But the dog's name is Monkey. Just yeah, but it'd be really cool if she was a monkey. A monkey. Yeah, yeah, I think doing more than that, pulling your hair and making that <laughs> sounds or whatever the thing, monkey. <laughs> That'd really be driving you crazy, wouldn't it? Scat everywhere. It'd be really fun. It'd be awesome. Oh, uh, well, if I had a monkey, I'm pretty sure it would wear a diaper or I would teach it to use the toilet. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, that's I've pretty- actually thought this out, and I would also have it wear a pink tutu. What? A pink tutu I don't, and a yeah. diaper? Mm-hmm, would look the, tutu would, the tutu would hide the diaper, see? But don't, don't at some point, like, monkeys get really uh, violent and want to just rip your face off? I mean, is that, um, if like you give them, if you give them what, like your Wellbutrin or whatever it is, it, it was, she was giving the monkey her antidepressant, Prozac. She was giving the monkey her Prozac. Okay. And I don't know if she was a little late on the monkey's dose and it ripped her face off or what, but there was Prozac involved as well. And it was a chimpanzee, not a monkey. It's so terrible when you say it like that, don't it? I don't know. She just missed the Although, mention and ripped her face right off. Yeah, we Jim and I have for years referred to that as face ripper monkey. And so when monkey pauses in the head at night, what we call our face ripper monkey too. So. <laughs> face ripper monkey, isn't that wonderful? It's such a touching, touching thing to say. Face ripper monkey, yes. 
Oh, so you know, life over here is fine in uh, uh, what do you call it? The flyover states? I call the it flyover Illinois, states. Yes, it. it's wonderful over here. Actually, we're back in the seventies. We were into cold fall weather there for a little while. I don't know what happened for like a week, and now we're back into the seventies. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, you know, finished up an article today for Paranormal Underground Magazine, the most wonderful underground paranormal magazine there is in the world, I might say. Um, so I did that today and I did some laundry and, you know, all the stuff you do on your day off, you know, all the exciting stuff. So I can go back to work tomorrow and slave for the man, you know. I worked at the museum. Lucky, man. You get to do that stuff. I don't get to work at the museum. I get to work at retail. Yes, and I talked museum-y things with the many, many visitors that were there today. I'm sorry, is that a word, museum-y? Museum-y stuff, mm-hmm. Okay, all right, if you say yep. so. Yep, well, one guy I talked about trains with. Talked about what, trains with? Trains, mm-hmm, yeah. and one guy, you know, was like talking about, or talking about the uh, animal skins we had on the wall. I mean, so, you know, it's good. <laughs> I liked what we did that, too, and you went all high on me. Well, you know, do-do-do-do. It was that cute. Yeah, make fun of the way I talk. Would you like no! me to talk? With, I'm going to talk with no animation d- from now didn't on. Didn't I just like say like did- this like a robot? Oh my god! Didn't I just say it was cute? How is that making fun of you? But I said, "Oh, Karen, your silly, goofy ass, high voice drove me crazy." That would be making fun of you. I said, "Oh, look at the little cute voice when you went high like that." That's what I said. Well, you know what's really funny is when I did that, like four bats smacked against the living room windows. <laughs> Threw off their sonar, did you? Yeah. And I'm telling you. All right, well, um, I, I have some of this. I, I think it's time. Okay. The world gets weird and things don't make any sense. It's news of the strange and the odd. That is correct. That is correct. We have some. I have some really cool, uh, actually, news articles this evening. Um, I like them. Uh, see what you see what you think about these. Okay, Karen, I'm going to share these. Uh, with you. I'll try to think. All right, here we go. I know you're tired. We're going to try anyways. Okay, so here we go. Superman's memory crystal would last one million years. That is correct. It's from news.discovery.com by Renee Morad. Okay, a crystal-based storage mechanism has been developed that can store data for millions of years. Created by researchers at Southampton University, the futuristic memory crystal is able to store data in five dimensions. The three spatial dimensions plus two that exist in the crystal, I don't know, they say latest? Late, late, lattice. Lattice. Lattice, thank you. Like lettuce. Uh, data is written Yes, like crystals. lettuce, but for but crystals. Lattice. Okay. Data is written to the crystals, which is compromised a fused quartz using a special high-speed laser. And the information written to it is expected to have a lifespan of over 1 million years due to how incredibly resilient the crystal is. It can store up to 360 terabytes, the equivalent of half a million conventional compact disks, while withstanding temperatures up to 832 degrees Fahrenheit. The scientists who developed the technology have likened it to the same type of crystal storage system used by comic book hero Superman to store his parents' data archives. It is thrilling to think that we have created the first document which will likely survive the human race, said Professor Peter Krenzatsky. This technology can secure the latest evidence of civilization. All we've learned will not be forgotten. I think that's kind of cool. Well, I mean, mean, in a way it's kind of cool, but... In a way, do we really want people who come after us to know all we've learned? Because some of it's not so great. That's true. I mean, yeah, you know, well, yeah, you know, there's certain things you don't want to share, like, you know, 
celebrities and such like that. But um, the but Kardashians, I mean, for instance. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's certain things you probably Kanye. want to, to live on. You know, I mean, what'd you say? I said Kimye. We don't want to share. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's fine. But I thought that was really cool. They could hold. I mean, that's a lot, man. Three hundred sixty terabytes. That's some serious. That's some serious shit, people. That's some serious data storage right there. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Okay, so the next one I got for you is Bomb Squad called in after mother finds her flowered vase was an unexploded World War II shell. That is correct. Telegraphy.com.uk. Yeah, check this story out. And I saw the pictures are hilarious. Okay, a woman was shocked to discover that the flower vase she had used for 30 years was an unexploded bombshell. Okay, Catherine Rollins, 45, from Warwick, had found the shell when she was 15 years old, buried in the play fe- playing fields at her, o- her old school. Assuming that it is safe and thinking it would make a nice face, she had kept it filled with her favorite flowers for more than three decades. Until she saw a documentary, however, featuring World War I bombs in the Coventry and feared her vase may have actually been an unexploded shell. After calling police, mod experts dashed in to take away the vase and remove the explosive before returning the vase to Mrs. Rollins. She said the police said that the shell had been potentially have the potential to have killed anybody that was in within a 20 meters of it and could well have taken the house down. It's funny to think that I had it on my mantelpiece the entire time. It's just become a part of my family now. I have had the shell on the mantelpiece for three decades and even took it to the university. I used to stick plastic roses out of the top of it when I was dancing around to Madonna. Mrs. Rawlings, who works as a career advisor at a secondary school, originally dug up the shell on a route home from school while two friends, when they were 15, using their hands and rocks to excavate the, they're, they're using hands and rocks to excavate the device. Because her friend unsure her that the shell was safe, Miss Rawlings made it a prominent feature of her life. And because her very expert on yes. ballistics friend, I'm sure, right. yes. While, while they're banging against the thing with rocks. Yes. Uh, use yes. it as a flower vase to her students' digs. She said, my two friends and I dug the shell up on the way home. All right. Um, she said, but it was only through a coincidence that Miss Rawlings, a married mother of two, realized she might have left unexploded ordinances on her coffee table over the years after she took a day off of work through illness. So I'm, I'm thinking that's pretty darn crazy. I mean, this thing was huge, too. I well, saw it. clearly it wasn't that unstable. Well, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, been, yeah. Clear, you know, and, and it's, she, must, she must never have had a toddler because that, yeah. There you, that's a good point, too. Well, I mean, come on. You're jamming the flowers in the thing all the time. Don't you think that would have... Oh, yeah, those flower stems. I don't understand why I wouldn't have set it off, but... You uh, don't... <laughs> Have you ever, I, 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 and this is more of a rhetorical question than an yes. actual question. Have okay. you ever actually arranged flowers, Chuck? No, I have not. It's a gentle process. You don't is like it? take it and show me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe with the women it is, but with the guys, be the guys show the thing in the vase, get it over with. See, if, the, if her husband would have done it, then kaboom, they would all been dead. But thank God she took care of it. But and I just thought. It's a thing that they never got it in their mind to use it as like a badminton birdie. <laughs> That's true. It's mm-hmm. very true. But mm-hmm. I, I'm just amazed that the Lord so, works in mysterious ways. Well, she was so calm about it. She's like, "Oh yeah, well they took it away, and then they found it. Yeah, it could have blown." Well, because nothing ever open. happened. She did well. She wasn't extremely calm. She yeah, called but, the bomb squad. Well, I understand that. But when they came back, and said, "Well, yeah, you know, it could have blown crap up from within 20 meters of your home." I'd have been like, "What? I'm sorry. I think I have to go to the bathroom. I think something just let, let, let below." You know? I mean, I'm saying seriously. All right, whatever. Uh, that's how I would be. All right, so here, here's the last one for you. Ready for this one? This one will get all the people that yeah. go to church really angry with me. But this is a, this is a story that I read. 
Jesus Ween. That's right. Jesus Ween. Instead of Halloween, Jesus Ween. Christian group promotes. Okay, that wasn't what I was thinking. So, alternative <laughs> to Halloween. Far better taste than I thought it was going to be. No, it's got costumes, it's got candy, but for some, what Halloween appears to be lacking is Christianity. To combat this apparent imbalance, one Christian group is promoting what it calls as Jesus Ween, a faith-based alternative to the holidays. The group's website says, we are focusing on helping people live a better life. I don't wrong with that. Throughout the year, and especially from October 31st till November 15th, we hold several seminars on various helpful topics. Jesus Ween participants are expected to hand out Bibles and other Christian gifts in a friendly way according to a promotional video. Instead of costumes, participants are supposed to wear white to symbolize righteousness. Um, they spoke to the events creator, a pastor, Polly Aid, who runs a congression in Calgary. He described the motivation behind it. Halloween is not consistent with Christian faith. Many people say they feel uncomfortable on that day. We think people should choose an alternative activity. The group's Facebook page also makes similar lofty predictions of success, stating that the day is expected to become the most effective Christian outreach day ever. So there you go. Imagine a major religion taking a holiday that had nothing to do with their religion and turning it into their religious holiday, <laughs> Christmas. Um, Isn't that something? It's just amazing. It's that just amazing. never, I don't think, I think this is the first time that has ever happened. Just Here's the thing. You know what? No, if they want to do Jesus Ween and they leave it alone for people who don't, I don't care. Well, I suppose. I mean, teach their own, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, it's nice that they want to do nice things. And yeah. there's nothing bad within the story, but it's just like, I, I like Halloween. I'm, I'm a Christian, and, and I believe in God, and I like Halloween. So there you go. Well, then you don't have to participate in Jesus Ween, oh, which sounds not. vaguely pornish anyway. <laughs> I am not going to participate. I'm going to go out and wear my scary costumes and collect candy and, and watch Halloween movies and what about ghosts and monsters and all that stuff. Because that's yep. not I have my Halloween costume. You do? Yes, for the, for the million children party that I'm working. I'm going to be a cowgirl. You're going to be a cowgirl? Well, then you better, well, then you better work on your Howdy, howdy. Yeah. There you go. What do you mean for the millions of children? What the what? What did you say now? We're having a Halloween party for local kids at the museum um, um, on the night before Halloween. And last year, we had like 450 kids. Really? In three hours. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. did you say 450 kids? In three hours. I'd be insane. Cheryl has something to say. All right, go ahead, Cheryl. Is that your scary Halloween thing, Cheryl? <laughs> I wondered why you had an old-fashioned... I wondered why you had an old-fashioned phone that was clearly oh, not an actual telephone. Wait, do it again. Do it again. Do it again, okay. Hold on, let me put my mic close up. Yes, please. Wow, that's oh, and and a raven in a cage with eyes that light up. Oh, I like the raven in the cage with the eyes that light up. That's so nice. And that was a contribution of our producer. In spite of his rage, he is still just a raven in a cage. I like that. I think it's good. I, I like Halloween and the spookiness. It's fun, you know. You just just you know. visit your local Target and you get get some cool Halloween decorations. And Wait. I tell people this is our busy time of year because this yeah. is the year that everybody is suddenly interested in what we do. Wait, did you get the did you get the Raven thing from Target? Yes, and the phone and the spooky phone. Sweet! I want the Raven. I thought it was really cool. The raven is awesome. Yeah, I'll show I you think what. it should say Nevermore. 
Number more? Here, I got one for you. No one else can see it because we're on the radio and all, but anyways, how about this? Uh, brilliant option. Oh, my God, it's oh. like a, a murderous gnome. Yes, it is. Like it's the gnome of death. The like gnome it. death. It, it's, it's a scary-looking gnome with red eyes that light up, and I believe there's blood around its mouth. <laughs> Very good description. Thank you. I'm a writer. I describe things for a living. You've written books? I didn't know that. A couple. Fifteen. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Maybe sixteen. Fifteen Maybe or sixteen. 16. I think yeah. I'm on my seventeenth now. I can't remember. I haven't written a any lot books. Of, a lot of books. I'm too chicken. I just write articles. They're easier. Well, I write you know. those as well. I know. Because you're all-encompassing, Karen. You're it's because all- I'm all awesomeness. Is that what it is? You're all That's right. Your- you crack you know what happens is like I have this exterior no. hard shell of awesomeness and when you yes. crack it open inside I'm full of gooey awesomeness. Ooh. You have a gooey inside? Is that what you're I saying? I soft and gooey awesomeness. With a wonderful haircut, by the way. I I I'm, I know. See, every time I say to her that she has a wonderful haircut, I haven't done she gets to my confused. Hair. Well, what do you? What did you? What did you think you had well, to do oh, with your you hair to make what? it no, nice? Like two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I got my hair colored back to its normal color because I was lightening it for the summer, and now it's back to being normal brown. Hey, would you think it'd be weird if I shaved my head and made, went bald? Would that be weird? You know, let me tell you a little story about that. All right. I, it wasn't me, but Jim did that one time. He decided to shave his head and go bald. And uh-huh. two things happened that were very disturbing. First of all, he looked exactly like his father, and I wouldn't let him come anywhere near me because it was like <laughs> his creepy old dad or something. And second of all, his head comes to a point at the top, oh. and it didn't look very good. Kind of like cone heads, like the cone Yeah, heads. a little bit, but not as coney. I don't know what my head would look like. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of round if you look at it. I don't know. You do, just, see, here's the thing. Until you shave off your hair, all of it, you're not sure how symmetrical your head is. Some dudes it works for, but you have really nice hair. Thank you. Why would you want to shave it off? You're like a know, silver fox. I was just, <laughs> well, thank you. It was just a thought. You know, I was like, I always wondered what it would look, but that, that would suck because then, it, you know, you shave your head off. Fox. If you <laughs> If you shave your head, if you shaved your head off and then you don't like it, you're, you're kind of screwed. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, it grows back. Yeah, but in the meantime, it like, you know, wear like a toupee or something, you know? Well, <laughs> I, so here's what I would do is I would go in stages. First, I would cut it fairly short, like with a number two, just to sort of yeah. get a general idea of the shape of your head. Yeah, and then I would that. cut it with like a number one buzz cut it to get a better idea of the shape of your head. Ah, okay. And then you just cut it. But even go. with that, even when it's buzzed, like it can hide things. <laughs> what what, what, what hey, like, kind of okay, things would it hide? What if you have a penis-shaped mole right in the back of your head? Like, uh, uh, I, I don't even know how to comment to that. I don't know. I don't know. I suppose it would be very Would you have to dab make- makeup on it every day? You probably would have to, unless you want someone to see a penis-shaped what mole. What if you discover that once your hair is gone, that you have really oddly-shaped ears? Oh, God, that would be terrible. No, 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 all right, never mind. I'm not going to shave my head then. I'm just going to leave it the way it is because I am. Hey, I think, I think bald, I think a lot of bald guys are super sexy. Mm -hmm. And then there are some, it's like, oh, you should have left it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I want to be, I don't want to take the chance to be one of those, oh, you should have left it guys. So, especially because you have great hair. You have really good hair. Well, thank you. You have nice hair too. So, Cheryl, Cheryl, you have lovely hair too. Oh, let's get in that. Tanner, I I went to see Tanner last weekend at, at school, you know, and I was talking to he and his roommate, and he said that um, that Tanner's girlfriend and her roommate 
um, they're like best friends from high school, which means, of course, living together, they hate each other because that's what girls do, right, Cheryl? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so anyway, he said that he he stopped them in the middle of a no, you're prettier fight. <laughs> Wow. No, you're prettier. Well, I, I said to Jim, is the subtext of a no, you're prettier fight that actually you're really ugly and I'm the pretty one? And he said, yes, that's exactly what the subtext is. Nice. No, Chuck. Nice. So you can shave your head and then we could have a no, you're prettier fight. No, you're prettier. No, you're, you're prettier. prettier. No, you're prettier. I have to do it with a deep voice, though. No, you're prettier. <laughs> no, you're prettier. <laughs> I didn't know. I have one more. Did what? I already tell you? What? I told you guys about the stilts last weekend, last week, right? Um, what? Okay. So I no. need to know if this is a thing. Okay. Are you sure I didn't tell you about this last week? I don't remember. It's I was again. driving it's like... to the museum, and there was a guy on stilts jogging. No, no I, I don't, don't remember, remember that story. Is that a that, thing? No. Is jogging on stilts a thing? I never heard of that. Cheryl, would you like a Coke? <laughs> <laughs> and ladies, that, ladies and gentlemen, is how she I orders her so sorry. Yeah, that's how we roll on this show. We just go all out, whatever. Hey, I gotta go take a poop. I'll be right back, sorry. okay? I I <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know about stilts and jogging. I've never heard of that. How would you not break your neck doing that? Well, he so he's jogging and he's going pretty good coming towards me. And all of a sudden he tripped over a curb. But he didn't fall on his face. He managed to catch himself. So I wondered if jogging on stilts was a thing. I've never, never seen it. anyone jog on stilts ever. Okay. It, I mean, that, it team, seems but... sort of bizarre. <laughs> sort of? <laughs> That's bizarre. Okay. I mean, well, it's, and he it's... was wearing like um, some, like, you know, in the Superman movie, the costumes that like the people from Superman's planet wear with like yeah. the black leather uh, vest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he was wearing, he was wearing that. Well, that would probably be like a, well, that would be like a jogging outfit or a bicycle outfit, so I suppose. But I don't understand why he would be doing it in stilts unless he's like, maybe that's what he does for a living. You know, like, you know, they have the, like the people on stilts, like the Bristol Renaissance Fair where they got to be taller for certain things or circuses or. I don't know. Never seen it before. Hey, before we go to break, I want to remind anyone listening, either live or in podcast, that mm-hmm. if you want to never, ever miss a show again, if you click the red follow button on the left-hand side of the chat room, you know what's going to happen? You are going to uh, get emails whenever we're live on the air. And sometimes we may do special events. I see Cheryl has turned her mic off as she's ordering chat around now. Thank God. I want some nachos with that that coke. Wasn't that getting uncomfortable? (laughs) What a bitch. Oh, man. Come on. She's being served while we're sitting here starving, (laughs) watching her getting coke and nachos. He made me Vienna sausages on crackers with mustard. Oh, my God. Seriously? Here, I have a a thing of water. That's what I got. Yes. Um, and also, um, this weekend down yes. in St. Helens, Oregon, if you go to the Halloween Town um, Facebook page, there's a list of activities. Well, this weekend, our good friends, Katie Montana, Jordan Casey Goodwin, and Jay Verberg are teaching a class tomorrow night at the very haunted Klondike Inn, which was featured on Paranormal State. Also, on Sunday, Ben Robinson, our good friend, is teaching a class there Sunday night. And William Becker, our good friend, the internationally known psychic, is going to be teaching a psychic class on Saturday. So, hey, if you're in the area, go to St. Helens. And if you go tomorrow night, I'll be there. Man, everything happens out there. Right? I know. 
I'm moving to Washington. I know. We also have ghost <laughs> tours coming up at the museum on the, uh, I think it's the 24th. It's the, the Saturday before Halloween. So that's the 24th um, at the Lewis County Historical Museum. If you go to their website, which is lewiscountymuseum.org, you can buy tickets in advance for that. And we've already, we're pretty close to selling out, so you need to do it soon. All right. You heard it right here first. On All right. We're going radio in the dark. Yes. So let's go to break so that we can come back and so that we can watch Cheryl eat and then we yeah. can come back and talk about UFOs. Okay, cool. All right, so stick around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be back in a minute. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for fast. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at Paranormal UG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Hello. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We are now live with me, Chucky G, and Karen Frazier. We are about to delve into the world of UFOs with the lovely Miss Jane Pooley, who's a UFO experiencer and researcher from Australia down under. Hello, Jane. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you. Oh, my God. I love your accent. There it is. Boom. (laughs) I'm done. I love, I love it. Australia you, in the house. You, you can read the phone book and I'll just listen to you right now because I don't care. <laughs> hey, lovely to meet you. Well, thanks. Yes, it's lovely to meet you as well. Cheers, as they say. Um, so, all right. So, it says you're an experiencer and researcher. So, I, I just want to go back a little bit because I don't know a lot about you. I mean, I've read about you, but I want I want to find out about you from you because that's the best way to find out. So, um, can you kind of tell me how this all came about? Like, you know, where, where it started off with? Yes. Look, my earliest memories is being a, a toddler in a cot and seeing a grey alien man who would come and pick me up. So, that memory has been there all my life. I've had, like, a repeated dream about it. And I've always seen a lot of UFOs in the sky. And... I've had uh, pregnancies with missing fetuses. I've got children on earth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I just, I remember quite clearly 
being taken. I'll see a spaceship outside and then I'll be gone for a couple of hours. So it's more an experiencer than a researcher. Um, I sort of stand a bit alone in the things that I've seen. Well, okay. I don't stand alone in what I've seen, but in my, my perception of it, perhaps. Correct. I've tried to keep away from other people's research until recently, deliberately, because I wanted to get it all straight in my own head first. Okay. So it was a great surprise to me to realise that other people had had extremely similar experiences so and quite comforting. Okay. But yeah. So, so you're saying that you, you felt that, you, or were you saying that your experiences you felt were, I know you're saying they were your own, so you were saying that they were different from other people's experiences or did you find out when you, when you finally looked into others that some, there were similarities or, or no? Yes, yes. But the point being that I didn't do much research because I didn't want to be influenced until I had it all oh. straight in my head. Okay. But now that I have and I've seen and heard other people's stories, there are amazing similarities that blow my mind. Okay. Can you can yeah. you tell me some tell me some similarities? I mean, between you and others. I mean, what are what are the most common similarities? Okay. Well, um, being taken up in the light in a tunnel of light, um, okay. I perhaps describe it a little bit differently. So for me, I'm sucked up off my bed. <laughs> You're waving now. Hi. <laughs> 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 um, in a what seems to be a hollow. I woke up once in the middle of it. And it was like dashes of white light around me. So okay. the light was interrupted. And I'm now 54, so you need to get this into, into sequence. And 30 or so years ago, when I was a young adult, we didn't have fibre optics and light couldn't be interrupted right. and didn't go around corners. And so I saw it, but I didn't understand what I was seeing. So now, of course, we do know that we can bend light around corners and interrupt it. So I, I woke up in the middle of a tunnel, floating in the air, basically, paralysed, because, you know, I tried to scream, and I heard a voice in my head, not a, not a physical voice, but a telepathic voice, saying, um, she's not supposed to wake up, and then, I, and then blackness, I was asleep again. So I have a lot of snippets that I've now put into sequence. So I remembered that, and then I remember being on the spaceship, being sucked up through a a light hole, I call it, mm -hmm. and then floating into a standing position on the spaceship. And then there was this same grey alien man. I call him a man or a person. No, he's not human, but he's, he's as much a person as we are. And I give him the nickname of Graham, <laughs> G-R-E-Y-A-M, because I have to call him something. Their language is not only telepathic, but I can hear them in the background translating it. And it's kind of like there is nothing on earth, but kind of like cicadas and a multi-syllable word and like. So okay. you've asked for some similarities. Well, recently I heard on a Stan Romanik video a recording of, of this click, click, and I went, yes, that's it, that's it. <laughs> really? So that, that just shocked me. Now I've got my man called Graham. Um, whom I have a, a really loving relationship with. He's like a grandfather to me, and he's you know he's very kind and he's very funny. And as soon as I see Graham, I feel quite safe. There's no fear when I'm up there in the spaceship because he's there. And he looks like a you know the the typical grey aliens that perhaps Whitley Stryber talks about. You know the, sure. the big black eyes. Mm -hmm. They do have a pupil and an iris and a an acanthus and an eyelid but they don't have eyelashes. So they're actually human-like, 
but not human. Now, they are clearly, they've told me, but it's obvious by the hybrid breeding program, biologically compatible with human beings. So I find them quite similar. Um, so another commonality is, uh, uh, what's her name? Sherry. Sherry. She's got someone called Dar. I can't think of a surname right now. <laughs> anyway, there's another experiencer who, who writes about her grey man that picks her up and she calls him Dar, D-A. And the descriptions are so similar that I actually wonder if Graham and Dar are the same person. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're probably not, but, I mean, there's, there's such yeah. similarity in the case. Yeah. So, um, you know, up there I, I've seen, I, I call it up there as in a proper noun, capital U-P-T-H-E-R-E. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a, it's a place to me, but it really is in a spaceship. Um, and when I get up there, you know, I've, over time I've, I've had these hybrid children, so I've been pregnant on Earth and, you know, had positive blood tests and an ultrasound with a fetus on it. And then I'll not be pregnant. Like, I'll, I'll have a placenta and a cord but no fetus on ultrasound. So how are they taking it from you? Is well, it when you go up there? It's when they go up there. And it's just a surgical procedure. They take it. They oh. take the fetus. They remove the fetus. Um, they... There's, there's a whole uh, a medical process, right? So you're pregnant on earth, as you normally yes. would be, and then they take you up there at about six weeks, and I go up through the tunnel, through the light hole, into the spaceship, and I'm in the standing position, and then I walk to a table, a surgical table. And I'm laying there, and it's no different to having a medical procedure on earth. So they use, you know, scopes and, and tools, similar to ours, just perhaps more futuristic, and they remove the fetus, and they take it out and they splice alien DNA in and then they reinsert it and then they give you an injection in the side of your uterus to make it take. And then they take you back up in another six weeks and if the baby looks human, they let you keep it and if it looks grey, once it's got the grey DNA in it, they have to take it, otherwise it won't survive down here or at least that's how they explain it to me. What? what so it's never, it's always one or the other, it's not like a combination you know like when oh, I had a baby it was a combination of my husband and me so they couldn't say so it's a it's there's two but, human fathers just like every everyone else's uh -huh. I have grey DNA in me because that's been passed down from my parents who were also or well, my father was also an experiencer okay and then they've removed the fetus and spliced in some more DNA that makes okay. it even a bit more grey and yet no they're not one or the other they're, they're a combination of the two. They're hybrids. But if they're more grey, they can't survive on Earth. Okay. So, so it's, it's um, so if, like, if they're biologically 51% grey, then... Well, I think it's more about surviving, you know, if, if they've yeah, got sure. lungs, basically. <laughs> sure. No, I, under, I understand that. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, so how, any of them ahead. can come forth and be dominant, can't they? So yeah. it's just about what's dominant. But I've met my hybrid children in space, and they do look quite human. Mm -hmm. But how is that? I mean, because I think about, um, do you view those as pregnancy losses? On Earth, and I have to separate it for the, for the sake of being logical, it okay. appears that I've had a miscarriage. However, yes. when I've gone to the doctor and had a D&C, the doctor has come back to me and said, you had placenta, you had cord, you had 
positive hormone blood test, positive beta HCG, but there's no evidence that there was ever a fetus in there. However, we have an ultrasound picture from before you lost it, and right. it doesn't make sense. They can't explain it. So that's on earth. But emo- I'm, I'm asking, I guess, more emotionally. Um, I mean, logical is all oh. good, but, but a mother yeah, sure. losing a child or being separated from a child that grows inside of you. Totally. And, and I went through enormous grief over it, and mm-hmm. that's a fair question. I did feel like I'd lost a child. There is no question. I've had to go through the whole grieving process uh, to come to the point of acceptance and coping with it. Part of what has helped me cope with it is meeting them as grown, you know, partly grown-up children in space. Do, so they do you feel, do you feel a connection with them when you, when you meet them in space? Uh, like, yeah. I, I think that even if my son hadn't lived with me his entire life, I would feel a connection with him. And that may be illogical and not true. But So do you feel a connection? I do. It's not illogical. It is true. And most mothers would say that. The second yeah. I met these children... That I knew they were mine. Not only did they look a little like me, I just felt, and, and they felt exactly like my children on earth. I loved them as much as the ones I'd brought up on earth. My eldest son lives overseas and works overseas. Now, it's like he's away from me, but I still love him. I've still brought him up. So yes. it's no different. It's just like these kids are in another country. Yeah. but in space. So, yes, I, I definitely felt a connection. I definitely went through. I thought they were dead. It took me years to come to this point. I didn't realise that's where they were because they do a lot to wipe our memory, mm-hmm. of course, But and I only remember snippets. I'm sure I don't remember all of it, but I remember enough for it to make sense. How do you stay emotionally grounded going through all this? Because, okay, first of all, it sounds terrifying as a little kid, to have these experiences and, you know, throughout your life. And then you have the added thing of having kids that you're not with. How do you, how do you stay grounded? Well, how do we stay grounded through any grief in life? Some of us can and some of us can't. And yeah. perhaps it's just my nature. That's not to say I didn't grieve. It's not yeah. to say sometimes I miss them, you know, like an ache in my gut and I, I've cried for them without doubt. Sure. Um, but it did help meeting them and seeing that they were okay. It did. Yeah. You know, I felt that they were well looked after. They were brought up with the same sort of values as I would have brought them up. You know, they were decent and honest. Graham, my grey alien man that picks me up, is also related to them, obviously, if he's related to me. And he is their, well, he's biologically their grand, great-grandfather, but he's, he's also their caseworker. I kind of, he's like a, he's like a nurse and I'm a nurse. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, oh, he's, <laughs> oh, his case. So the fact that Graham's looking after them was enormously comforting. Of course it's hard to deal with, Karen. Of course it is. But I have come yeah. to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I think like a mom and a woman, and, and, um, I, and I'm sure you do as well. So yes. for me, you know, all of my questions are the emotional things. I'll let Chuck ask the, right. the, man, the man questions now. The man questions? The man questions. Well, I don't have any man questions, but, um, well, uh, uh, one of the things that I, I need to understand, because maybe I, I, evidently I don't understand, so why is it that if they're more alien than human, why is it they can't be here? Is it, what, what biologically is, is different? Biologically, they can't, the biggest thing is they can't cope with the germs here on Earth. They're okay. Oh, okay. 
Okay. They can't cope with the, the pollution in the air. You know, they just breathe clean air. Yeah. Um, their diet's quite different to us. It's, it's largely vegetarian, I guess, which I'm, mm. I'm not, and um, largely liquid as well. Okay. So I guess that's not impossible. And they certainly do come for short periods of time. Yes. You know, not my children, but Graham comes to collect me and over time they acclimatise. But how is it different? Let me give you an example. When I go to space, I come back sick. The next morning it's like I'm motion sickness and, mm -hmm. I, and I throw up and I have a headache and I feel like I've been under some sort of anaesthetic. Okay. Which so you probably have, have, right? Probably have. Uh -huh. So I have a physical response to it. And it's at the point now where I wake up in the morning and I feel a certain way, and even if I don't quite remember yet, I know what's happened. Mm -hmm. Right. It's happened so many times before, I know where I've been. Um, now, I also have um, a blood, blood anomalies that were discovered when I was quite young. Okay. Uh, I was a student nurse and a, a, I donated blood and my blood profile wasn't normal, so it was brought to the attention of some doctors in the hospital I was studying at. Mm -hmm. And they called me up and they said, look, you've got the blood profile of an astronaut and clearly you're not an astronaut, so we think you're an alien abductee. So this is a bunch of professors at a well-known Sydney hospital. Really? So, yeah. So I actually have physical changes in my blood that huh. is known that astronauts have when they've been in space. For wow. example, the, the astronauts on the International Space Station, they've been there six months in the past and I think this one's going for 12 months, mm -hmm. and they come back with blood changes. I've got those physical changes. So there is actually scientific evidence at the very least for what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do your children, um, the ones that are here, yes. do, do they, uh, two-part question, first of all, are they having experiences similar to yours? And do they have any anomalous health issues because they do have some of this alien DNA? That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the answer is two-part. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when, <laughs> when nice. Are 30 and 31, right? It's not a straightforward answer. Yeah. And they now don't believe at all. Okay. However, when they were children, they both had experiences, isn't that question? One of them, for example, okay. would wake up in the morning and say, I saw the aliens last night. Can I bring them home for dinner, Mum? And he was about eight. And I used to joke and say, sure, what do you want me to cook for them? And, you know, we'd have these whole conversations. And at the times that he would say he'd seen the aliens last night, there had been spaceships spotted by adults in the area as well. So, yes, both of my sons had them. Now they've blocked it, I think. Mm -hmm. um, my granddaughter has them openly and tells me. She knows what they look like. She knows who Graham is. She says she's got um, relatives up there, like cousins and aunties and uncles. So... And I don't put ideas in her head. I'm very, very responsible about that. So the things that she tells me, I just go, yep. <laughs> I know exactly. Right. You know, <laughs> been there. Okay, now do they have physical anomalies because they've got great DNA? Yes. I have a disease called lupus. So there's always the earthly explanation and the possible theory, you know. So mm -hmm. there is an earthly explanation for the fact that I have an anti DNA antibody in my blood. So I have an antibody against human DNA, which didn't appear in my blood until my first pregnancy. So yes, there's a medical explanation, lupus. I'm sure you've heard well, of or that. Or auto, autoimmune disease in general, yeah. Disease. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting, isn't it, if we want to theorise, that I developed a human, an antibody against human cells when I first had a grey alien DNA implanted in me 
Yeah, that's really interesting. But let's uh, kind of extrapolate from that, if we can. Millions of people, myself included, have autoimmune disease. Right. And um, so... Wait, you did. What's that? Yes, millions of people. I just find it interesting that you do too, because there seems to be yeah. a correlation. Yeah, and so... Um, and of course, you know, autoimmune disease theories are, like you say, that we develop antibodies against certain things. I have celiac disease, um, so the gluten grains, and I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, um, so my body attacks my thyroid. So yep. those are fun, um, but yes, there's, there's, there's all sorts of manifestations of, of autoimmune disease. Right. And there are uh, very tentative, there's not really solid science on autoimmune disease and what causes it at this time. Because like if I, um, my dad has um, ankylosing spondylitis, which is a form of autoimmune also, disease. Also, yep. Yes. And, and so, and it passes on in families, but it's not always in the same form. So my dad may have AS and then I have Hashimoto's and my kid may have, um, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or something. And so it's really hard to pin down the science of those things. So how much of that do you think is related to, um, you know, alien stuff then? And does that make a better theory? Well, it, it, we have to remember that it is a theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, it does. It certainly makes a valid theory. So, yes, one of my sons has an autoimmune disease yet to be labelled, but probably lupus. Okay. And he's the one whose daughter goes regularly. Okay. So, Yes. So, and also I've discovered just over time, just in the last couple of years, meeting people, I'm presuming you're an experiencer, Karen. I, I know, I, I don't think I am, but I'm just curious because I'm asking, but there are so many people that have autoimmune disease. So it makes me wonder if that may be an underlying cause. It's never going to be turned up in a, a, a medical study, clearly. No, that's right. That's right. So, you know, that's why I, my speech is ambiguous. I've got, you know, I understand the earthly side, but yeah. there are other factors at play. But yeah. yes, I think it's a valid theory. I think it's entirely possible. I've been to a few talks and discovered that those people that were experiencers had autoimmune diseases. Plus, whether it's that we couldn't diagnose them a couple of generations ago or they're more prevalent today, who knows? But this at least the grey, there's other aliens, but the grey yeah. hybrid breeding program appeared to hype up about 1961, uh-huh. which is when I was born. Right. So yeah. um, uh, one more question about the autoimmune disease. So do the um, children that are hybrids that are up there? I oh, know they don't. They don't have... They wanted to know too. They okay. seem to be... But then they're not living in the environment that we're living in. Right. Huh. Very so, no, interesting. Very, uh, you know, I really wanted to know. So I had two yeah. sons and a granddaughter and I have three hybrid children and another granddaughter in space, all right? So we, that's like two separate families, but they're in fact right. all my children. Yes. And it's like, you know, if they were half, I don't want to sound racist because I'm absolutely not, but a couple of generations ago, if the children were half black, we wouldn't yes. accept humans. Well, if these children are half grey... <laughs> Earthlings don't accept them very well, do they? So, Right. Got it. Well, we need to take a break. Um, When we come back, we have a question from chat, and we can continue this really fascinating conversation. So stick around, everybody. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. You are a waste. 
a loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas, then get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. Hello, this is Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. You have returned with the lovely Chucky G and Karen Frazier. <laughs> lovely Chucky G. <laughs> that is right, the lovely Chucky G. Because I am lovely. If you could see me, you'd know I'm lovely. I said he's a silver fox. <laughs> now I can see our guest and she is lovely also. Yes. Oh, booyah. So, this is um, a good looking Skype call. That's all I can say. Audience, look at this yeah. hole. And don't forget Cheryl. I might just get so enthralled with the looks that I just forget to talk. Like, wow. Okay, so back to reality. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Okay, so uh, we have a question from Bob, and I just lost because the the thing keeps. Oh, here we go. Okay, so Bob wants to know: the Sumerians said we have DNA modified in their time. Uh, there was DNA modified in their time to advance us. Do you think the Greys are doing the same thing now to move us up in the evolutionary tree? Okay, well, that's an interesting question. I don't know what happened in the times of the Sumerians other than what's written on the internet. However, that is what the Greys are doing now. Yeah, okay. they're, they're, Instead of just coming to... Look, their history is that their planet just blew up or something and they, they built a giant artificial spaceship, or artificial planet, which was just a huge spaceship called a mothership. And they've been there for multi-generations and they started the hybrid program because they became infertile whilst they were living in space out of their natural environment. So they're mammals and they reproduce the same way we do with sex, but they're infertile. So they had to bring in someone else's DNA. So there's that factor, plus they want to live on Earth and they can't just come here and survive. They need to um, acclimatise to adapt over a number of generations. So each generation has a bit more grey DNA, sorry? Okay, so no, this is this is the question I was. You kind of fell into the question I was going to bring about. So, the whole idea of the Greys coming here, or aliens in general coming here, is it just to do what you just said to eventually, so they can come be here with us? I mean, is there more purpose than just you know uh, doing hybriding? You know, hybriding. That's not even a word, is it? Doing high, you know, (laughs) making hybrids and stuff. I mean, is there more purpose to what they're doing than just that? Well, I'd say there is, yes. I think on a grand scale, we're only one of many 
inhabited planets, perhaps billions. You know, I'd like to say thousands or hundreds, but perhaps billions. Okay. And there is this, um, you know, we have the United Nations. They have what I call a universal council. So they are also trying to save us from ourselves. But um, they're not an aggressive people. They're quite passive and gentle and they just want to integrate, not take over. Okay. Yeah. So they do, yeah, I think it's more for them, but it's certainly helpful to us. I think this psychic thing that seems to be becoming more and more prevalent is part of their gene because no one else in my immediate family is psychic. My granddaughter is and I have a great aunt that was, but not in those that are around me, not my parents or my siblings or my own children. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I inherited it. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. And that's an interesting thought. Normal. It's normal. They speak normal. telepathically. That you know they don't express normal. emotions in the same way as we do physically. They, I mean, we hug. They don't hug. I mean, Graham has hugged me, but he must have gotten used to humans. Mm-hmm. They project their emotions psychically. So it's just the normal form of communication or a different culture to them. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they're certainly into, certainly slowly becoming part of the human race. Interesting. This way. Okay. Yeah. So I so I read in part of the your, your bio uh, something about uh, what I found interesting was that there were uh, spaceships that were seen sucking up or dumping water uh, emerging from the water themselves, but you know sucking up and dumping water while the black helicopters are around them watching them. What, what what's going on there? What's that all about? Okay, so I live in Gosford on the central coast of New South Wales and Australia and it's a known hotspot. I didn't know that when I moved there, but I have to concur. There are so many spaceships, it's ridiculous. (laughs) So I can actually see Brisbane waters from my front door, my front veranda. Um, However, there's there's a book about all the sightings in Gosford. Um, It's well documented that there are a lot. So... A lot of people that live on the shoreline have actually seen spaceships, as in the silver, you know, disc-shaped spaceships, Uh either dumping water or sucking up, you know, different stories tell different, whether they're they're doing one or the other. I think they use our resources. Obviously, they don't have water on the mothership, so they suck it up, they take it up there, they filter it, and when they've got dirty water, they come and dump it back. Okay. Oh, they're polluting us? They're polluting us. <laughs> well, we were doing a good enough job of doing that. Yeah, by we don't need any help there, I'll tell you. <laughs> and that's been seen by so many sane, normal people that it's just not funny. Now, I see spaceships. We're in a, in a, a flap, if you will, at the moment, and I'm seeing UFOs every evening, but I didn't see anything for two months before that. And it's always like this. They come back, they're around for a while, they disappear. So they go somewhere else. Cool. I've never seen one. Really? When I see them, I've got a little Facebook page that says sightings over the central coast. I find that somebody else has seen them in Melbourne or in Brisbane or in the Blue Mountains. So we do, there are always multiple witnesses. It's not just me. Quite often I'll actually have someone with me. I've had, you know, a girlfriend staying in my house and there was a great big spaceship coming down towards us and she came out to look. And it came right down over my roof and it was one of those big triangle silver ones. So it wasn't that TR whatever, that earthly plane. It was definitely a spaceship. And this girl had never seen one and she was just flabbergasted. So it's almost as if they deliberately give me witnesses enough times to one reassure me, and so I can tell you that I'm not the only one that saw it. 
So they want us to know that they're there then. Absolutely. There's no hiding. I've had people say to me, why do they hide? Well, they don't. <laughs> they're not hiding. <laughs> they're just everywhere, particularly around the coast here. So it's got, it's got something to do with the water. So, hmm. so here, here's a question. So if they're not hiding, you know, you see the ships and, you know, you get the, the Phoenix Lights over Arizona, all these different, you know, yep. things. Um, why, when they bring you up to the ship, why do they try to erase memory then? Why, I mean, what's the point? I mean, if they're... Oh, I've asked that question. So can I just, before I answer, I just need to backtrack. The sure. reason I got to see the mothership and ask all these questions was because in my head I threw this little tanty about, you took my babies, you ruined my life, you know, just in, okay. in my thought process. Mm -hmm. And within 48 hours I got my visit and I got my answers. So um, hang on, what was your question? <laughs> Oh well, I just wanted to, no. I wanted to know that why you know, um, you know, if if they're if we're seeing the ships all over and they they do, they want us to see them and know that, witness oh, that they're they here. Yeah. Well, so I've said, why can't I just remember all of this by myself? Why do I just have snippets come back at me? And why are you always trying to block my memory? Well, Graham's answer is: first of all, humans are terrified and they all kick and scream. You're not frightened, Jane. <laughs> we love having you, but most people are. And it's too hard to handle, you know, a big bloke kicking and screaming if he's not anaesthetised. The other thing is we do, or they do, medical procedures and we anaesthetise people when we do it, don't we? Because it's traumatic. Right. Mm -hmm. And the human psyche mostly can't cope with the trauma of the fact that it's so different to our experience. It's just as physical and just as real, but it's not within our teaching or our acceptable culture. Mm -hmm. Mostly, is it? That, you know, aliens and spaceships. Okay. That makes sense. So mostly, yeah. mm -hmm. it's for our benefit because we're frightened. Yeah, I think for me, I've pushed through an awful lot because I love my children and I've been fighting to keep them and fighting to know what's going on and where are they. And I've, I think it's my mother in instinct that's just gone. No, nah, you're not doing this. I want information. However, when I did that, they were very kind, and I got the grand tour of the mothership and shown all my questions were answered and shown all different things. So they weren't difficult. It's not because they've got something to hide. There are definitely ethical and moral questions, definitely, mm -hmm. but I can't do much about that. I, you know, I say they treat me well and they're kind, and I like to say I had a certain amount of say in it, but at, I was taken from birth and I was right. matched biologically with another human in the spaceship by DNA, so mm. there's an awful lot I didn't have control over. And that's hard to deal with psych uh, psychologically. However, I've chosen to try and to get through it. And I have gotten through it. I've succeeded in coping with it. So have the experiences that you've had, because you've, you've done this through every stage of your life so far. Yes. I mean, they've done, I guess they've done it to you. So how, how have the experiences changed or evolved in different stages of your life? Are they different now than when you were younger and they were impregnating you, for instance, yes. than when you were a child? Yes, absolutely. When I was a child, they'd take me up there, they'd do things like lay me on the table, they'd suck blood, there was never a needle out of my arm. They'd do a <laughs> great face. <laughs> they'd do wave their, hand, wave their hand over my stomach and my organs would appear in the air. So <gasps> basically, holograms. Cool microchip in the hand but I didn't know that's what it was when I was a child I didn't understand it's easy in hindsight to look back and say that's what was going on yeah so everything they did to me was medical not 
not a violation, not abusive. You know, people say okay. they were sexually abused. No way. It was a medical procedure and I did understand that I could trust them. As I was older and then, you know, at 18 I became a student nurse, so I very quickly realised that these were definitely, again, medical procedures because mm. even though they were different to ours, they had links to what we did. Um, yes, the pregnancy thing, I'm, I'm clearly past menopause now. I'm a grandmother and I'm actually going more often. <laughs> so work that one out. So I've asked why and they've said, well, we want you to spend time with your children. They want to spend time, they've asked to spend time with you and we want you to teach our hybrids how to be human. So I'm simply, you know, I, I'm as far as earth is concerned, I'm educated and reasonably intelligent, but up there I know nothing. <laughs> So I'm up, I'm up there and they want me to teach children to hug, to smile, to laugh, what a tree is, what a book is, terribly basic human cultural things. So it's actually a great pleasure and I really have quite fun when I go up there. It's like, again, again, I want to go again. So, um, yeah, it's completely different now to when I was a child to when I was in the breeding program, but they've consistently been kind to me. Graham has been there consistently. He must be around 100. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just adore him. He, you know, because they speak telepathically, I find he, I laugh a lot. I just, and I think silly things and I say silly things. And Graham says, oh, Jane, the things you think are so funny. And he laughs, but they don't laugh in their culture. So for him to laugh, he gets this tight little smile and his whole body shakes like he's almost like he's spitting. <laughs> and it's hysterical. So I burst out laughing at that. So the two of us are always in stitches. So, but it's not within their culture to laugh. He's learnt it, as, you know, spending time with humans. So, uh, the only once I remember being frightened, and that was the time I woke up in the air and didn't know what was going on in the tunnel. That's it. I was terrified that moment. There have been yeah. no other yeah. moments with the greys that I have been even remotely frightened. It's, yay, lovely to see you, not, you know, take me again. Interesting. I feel like they're so family. Friends. Yeah, yeah. It sounds it sounds like you're visiting family. Oh, that's exactly what's happening. So all that happens now is that I'm taken up for visits. It's okay. Fun. All right. So we yeah. have a question from Bob in chat, and he says, "Do you think we'll, there will be a point that the world governments will admit this is happening, or do the alien races plan to make themselves known in spite of world governments?" All right. Well, this can only be opinion. So far, I'm giving you observation and facts. This right. You know, very clear that it's a different thing. Um, I would hope so. I can't see how they're going to hide it. I don't understand how people can deny it anymore because I'm certainly not the only one that has seen these things, though I have seen more than my share. Um, there's no question the world governments know. The greys tell me the world governments know. I don't know what their problem is, frankly, whether it's fear or, um, you know, ownership or control, you know, ownership of the earth and its resources. I don't know what it is, but I think... I think they'll be forced to come out and I think that they're showing themselves, not just the greys but other races, more and more prevalently and more and more often and it's just getting harder and harder to deny. Right. So, yeah, there will come a time it'll be accepted and I think that right now this conversation, we're in a time like, and I like to use it, the Negro slaves, you know, that was just awful and ridiculous and now they're just the same as the rest of us as they should always have been. Well, right. the greys are aliens, but they're eventually just going to be people. And they're people to me. Right. And they're going to walk amongst us and it's just going to be, like I've said, they're no different to an Asian woman to me or a Negro man to you. Right. And we're all people, we're all the same, we just might have different 
features or different height or different colour skin. And the greys are just like that. They're, they look different because they live in a different environment. So are the greys um, that you have interacted with aware of how they are portrayed in our popular culture and media and movies and things like that? And what do they think about that? Yes. And now I was asked when I demanded all my answers and got to the tour of the mothership for something in return. And that was to fess up and not deny it and to say that the world has it completely wrong. Completely wrong. They're not all the rumours you hear on the internet. They're not us in the future. They're not us reincarnated. They're not, they're not interdimensional. They're not animals. They're just people. And I, I really mean it. They're just mm -hmm. people. I know these, I know them well. And they're beautiful people with a slightly different culture to ours. Oh, they're not, you know, they're kind of phlegmatic that, you know, people say they look like they're autistic. Well, they are extremely emotional and extremely loving and extremely giving, but they don't do it. They don't express it the way we do. And I just see that as a cultural difference. Mm -hmm. My, you know what? My autistic husband is the same way. Well, there you have it. Good yeah. example then. Yeah. So you get it. I do. I, I'm just, I'm, just, just the way he expresses it. Yeah. I'm so. just glad that the probing thing is not true because you know, uh, whenever you see these, no, I'm serious. When you see this thing, it scares the, no offense, the poop out of me. You know and I mean, when you see this well, stuff, and it's nice to know that they're, they're, you know, they're kind like us, you know. Very kind. And, you know, I, I remember at one particular time when they were taking, removing the fetus from me, and I was, I was crying. And, and Graham had his hand on my arm the whole time and was calming me. And he said, if you're as, because I don't, I don't tend to show negative emotion so much. And, and he said, if you're as uncomfortable as you seem to be, we can stop. Do you want us to stop? So, you know, <laughs> that's not yeah. bad. I said, it's all right, yeah. I, I do understand what you're doing because you're explaining it to me and no, that's okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're kind, they're compassionate. They may be like humans, good ones and bad ones, but I've only met the good ones. So what can I, I ask? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Not interdimensional. They're not angels. That's a separate thing. They're a right. physical body with a soul like we are. Right. So I did want to ask you a spiritual question. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you think that, that the greys then come from the same source that we do? And yes. are, they, are, are we all made of the same stuff? Yeah. That, was a, that was a simple answer right there. Yep. Well, because I, I believe it to be the truth. Same God. You know, I keep saying people mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. us. Yes, same source, just a yeah. different planet. And if you think about that different planet as a different country instead of a different a star up there, it's mm -hmm. easier to get your head around. Well, speaking of that, my, well, my I had a it's been, I had a question that's been in my head here since been, this has all started. So the Greys come down and we uh, we are interacting with them. Are there not other races besides greys? And do they come down and interact with us too? Or is it just the greys? No. Of course there are other races. And I can really only expect from experience with the greys. So, you know, that would be unfair of me to say other things. However, I did go to a Universal Council meeting. I sent you that story, Cheryl, that short story. And I did see a lot of aliens. A lot. They were all, at the end of the day, kind of like humans. Mm -hmm. You know, they were variant. They were very and greys. There were a lot of variations of greys, a lot of variations of humans. And I didn't see any of these alleged reptilians and that they're on this council. So I'm sure they exist, but they weren't part of this lot. They actually told me that there was a war in space and that, you know, 
I don't want to be attacked by those that are pro-reptilian, but it does appear that there are other races that aren't so good. So I've been fortunate that I've interacted with the good, intelligent, yes. human-like ones. Yes. But that doesn't mean somebody else's story isn't true as well. Right. Right. So one of the things that you said very early on as we were talking to you jumped out at me, and you were talking about the tunnel of light. And that's fascinating to me because it's very common to an experience that people have during a near-death experience. Is there a correlation? Absolutely. I've had a near-death experience. Um, I had, as many years ago, I'm fine now, but I had chemotherapy and I reacted badly and I arrested in hospital, proven, documented, witnessed. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, anyway, I went through the tunnel light and I felt like I was being sucked through a straw, basically, and then dispersed at the end. Even though it was still me, I felt like part of everything there. I think the correlation is like there is a spiritual correlation for absolutely every physical thing. For example, our physical body and our soul look the same, but one is only visible to the spiritual eye and mm -hmm. one is visible to the physical eye. So... Mm -hmm. Like in nature, there are so many, so many things the same but different. Yes, being sucked up the light tunnel through the light into the spaceship was very similar. But I know because I've also had that near-death experience that one was my soul and this one was my body and my soul. I was physically standing there. Hmm. Huh. I'm going to have so to think a, about that for a while. Yeah, there's a metaphorical correlation and there are certainly similar, you know, similarities sure but going up the light tunnel was like going up an elevator into a spaceship which is just like going into a building or a room whereas going through the light tunnel my body was still on the hospital bed mm -hmm. yeah i went through a spiritual tunnel into somewhere that i call heaven that clearly yeah. exists i was in there so yeah i could tell the story the same way and and I, have a, I think that there are no words for it. <laughs> I don't think there are any appropriate adjectives to describe it. But I hear It's ineffable, saying. yes. That's actually yeah. one, of the, one of Raymond Moody's uh, things that he described about near-death experiences. It's the sense of ineffability that you can't describe it because it's very, yeah. So um, do you believe in reincarnation? No. So no, I, I okay. No, I don't. Okay. I believe in one life, you know, Everybody's entitled to their beliefs. Sure. One, one God, heaven or hell. I do believe in ghosts. I don't know the explanation, but they perhaps they get stuck in the middle or perhaps if you don't believe there's a heaven, you've still got a soul. You, know, you might yeah. believe you've got a soul. Hey, you do. So <laughs> it just hangs around when you're dead. So, And I think people like us, psychics, are often there to help lost souls that are just like humans lost on the road asking directions to yes, go over to where you think the other side is. And I think that there's more than one word for the same thing. Like I say, soul, energy, spirit, essence, yeah. what she, whatever you want to call it. We're just talking a different language but saying the same thing. But no, I don't believe in reincarnation. I believe in the Christian version. Okay, well then I won't ask you if you can come back as, a, as an alien. Uh, <laughs> That's where I was going with that. That's why I asked you that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it just is no. <laughs> so, so, all right. Oh, Go ahead, Chuck. I was gonna say really quick. Um, so, when you've when any of the times you've been up in the spaceship, or whatever, have you ever had they ever give you a glimpse of their home planet? What what their home planet looks like? Their structure, their um, the way they live. 
You know, have you ever seen any of that? Absolutely. Yes, I've seen a lot of that. First of all, I've asked them, this massive mothership that I say is like a whole country in there, um, I've asked them why they're living there and not on a planet, and they said their planet uh, blew up or was destroyed. Um, so it doesn't exist anymore. That's the history. So the greys, can't talk about other races, the greys are living on an artificial planet, and they have smaller... They, well, I've seen three different size spaceships, the one they pick you up in, the shuttle one, the lab version or the, you know, like a, an operating theatre and then this massive mothership. So this mothership is like, um, well, you, you have to fly from one side to the other and they have a public transport system that doesn't require money. They all, they all work, they all have a job and then everything's free. So they, you, there's a, it's a circle and there's great big verandas that just go round and round, multi-storied and docked in at various places are little pods that are clear glass about sort of egg-shaped and you step into them and a handlebar comes up and you hang on so it's like a scooter in a, in a glass egg, right? Oh. And great, it was really fun. And then Graham's in front of me, I'm going, but what do we do? I don't know how to work it. And he said, yes, you do. You've done it before. Just think. So I didn't remember doing it before but apparently I had. So I, I just followed him. You think where you want to go and you, you fly there. And then you dock in somewhere else on, on this these verandas, wherever you want to go, and it just reverses. So, you know, the handlebar goes down, you step out, and then the handlebar comes up behind you and it, it closes. So it's very, very cool. I want one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want an egg. Oh, I said to Graham, I want one. Oh, these are so cool. Why don't we have this on Earth? And he said, well, you think they're futuristic, but actually they're so old technology, we really need to get off this spaceship soon because it's been going for too long. So to them it's old technology. But so, And their societal structure is very similar to ours in that they have families. They showed me, he showed me in a, a room that, you know, just very minimalistic, you know, round walls, an oval window where you could see the stars in space and, oh, my God, you've never seen anything like it. The stars while you're up there are magnificent. Now, I can't imagine that from Earth. I have to have actually seen it. So, anyway, um, and there's just like a bed sort of built into the rounded corner and it looks cold and hard to me and he heard me thinking that and, and Graham said, well, sit on it. And you sit on it and it's actually soft and spongy. So mm. I think they have... Um, metals that we don't have, materials that we don't have. And then they just have another seat built into one corner and just a little tiny cupboard. So he said, we don't have many um, physical needs. They don't. They wear onesies, you know, those onesie pyjamas that are in. Yeah. <laughs> so they wear kind of flesh-coloured onesies. They do wear clothes. People often say, do they wear clothes? They don't have hair, so they're not actually going to need, you know, they don't eat rotten food, so they don't eat toothbrushes and brushes and all of those things. I was worried about if I was there, things like a toothbrush, eyebrow tweezers, <laughs> clean undies. <laughs> Toilet yeah. door. Yeah, going to the bathroom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said, yes, yes, we do all that too. And he showed me. He said, here's the bathroom, here's where we live. <laughs> you know, um, and then he, he opened another door. When they open the doors, it looks like there's no door there. Can't see a joint for the life of you. And then they wave their hand and the door slides open. So, again, there's a microchip in their palm, he explained to me. But... The materials are so cool that you can't see the join visibly mm -hmm. when they close again. So anyway, he waves his hand, the door's open, and we look in this room and there's all these children just sitting around on the floor and what looks to me to be a girl about 15 or 16, clearly a hybrid, 
So they're smaller and spindly, but, you know, human enough, sitting on a levitating bench, reading a story, an old-fashioned book to these children. And my granddaughter Amelia's in there and she turns and looks at me because she remembers me, so she smiles. So they're teaching these hybrids to our culture so they can come down to earth and, and cope, basically. But aren't they aren't they going to have to adapt biologically somehow to be able to do that, or is it just that it's they're teaching it so that generations down the line, when they are adapted, that they can do it? Yes, of course they're going to have to adapt biologically, and that's the reason it's multi generational. A bit more grey DNA each generation until they right. look more like us and fit in. Um, but also, they claim back to the reincarnation story. They claim that everything is stamped on our DNA, including our ancestors' memories. So the things that they're teaching the hybrid children now will be in future generations' memories. Okay. So that's how I see people's stories, and it probably that's been my experience, that's why, of um, reincarnation. You know, they might remember something, but I don't mm -hmm. think it's their, I think, don't think it's them reliving. I think it's their ancestors' memories. Interesting. Or ghost, yeah, or a ghost may be telling them, what's going on now. When I okay. see a ghost, and seeing as you've said you're both psychic, when I see a ghost, I get everything. I know it's secondhand, uh, but I yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. True. So th that's how I see it. So, yeah, each generation has got the older memories. Okay. There's way more in our DNA than humans have discovered yet. Okay. Now, I, saw, I mentioned earlier I saw fibre optics early. I saw IVF, surrogacy, um, you know, all of our... our um, breeding procedures here on earth came from grey alien technology. I also said that, had that said to me by this group of professors at this major city hospital that they knew that it came from, they were asking me questions because they'd picked me out because of my blood results. I don't think I had the answers then, but I was terribly interested. They showed me a hybrid alien fetus physically in a jar. In a jar? Well, they actually said to me, do you know what this is? And I went, oh, and I did know what that was, which didn't make any sense because it was before I'd had my children. So they said, yeah. yep, it's an alien fetus. It was obviously a hybrid fetus, but it looked quite alien. Uh -huh. So, so, uh, so, so we're saying that, um, like, when you hear, like, we have their technology or, like, say, a ship has crashed or they've shared technology, is any of that relevant? Yes, very relevant. They've given it to us. You asked a couple of questions ago what was in it for us, basically. You didn't put it like that, but um, mm -hmm. um, well, they are giving us technology in exchange for our resources and our, our people to use as guinea pigs. I don't like being used as a guinea pig. There are times I feel excessively angry about that, mm -hmm. but at least they've been kind to me. Yeah. <laughs> so in our, in our history as humans, um, we often base, uh, well, always racism is based on fear and ignorance. Of course. And so... If we don't have any experience of them other than kind of a lot, of, I mean, your stories are good and you're, they're very positive, but there's a lot of really scary stories out there. I've talked to some people who their stories with the grays are, are not what you're showing. And so there's yeah. a lot of fear. So in a few generations, when they finally adapted, do they understand that there's going to be this xenophobia and this fear and that yeah, it's so going to be an uphill battle? I think they already do. I think it's already going on now. I think the reason okay. I'm more positive about it than somebody else might be is because my background is medical. So I, okay. I could see what they were doing was not abuse right. but a medical procedure. It just wasn't the same as ours. But I also asked a lot of questions. 
a lot. And every time I ask a question, they would answer it. They would explain. Right. I'm quite willing to share what they were doing. So the same, so exactly the same experiences as me, but a person who didn't have a medical background perhaps or an IT background or, you know, whatever, but yeah. a relevant background, they didn't understand what was going on. And, you know, I had gynae procedures. Sorry to be so blunt, but, you know, I had things put in my fanny. Yeah. You know, abuses removed, and that could have been considered as sexual abuse by somebody who didn't yes. understand. Yes. And that would create fear. And I think the reason I'm coping is understanding. I can usually cope with just about anything, no matter how much I don't like it, if I understand where it's come from. That's just my nature. Right. So I suggest that there, there might be greys that aren't so nice. However, right. I suggest that some of the people telling the stories, they're the reason they're all panicky and and describing them as something different when, in fact, they might have been exactly the same procedures I have is the same fear and lack of understanding that causes racism here already. You know, but, like... Yeah. But how do they get past the um, lack of informed consent for what they're doing? I mean, is that just a value that we hold here on Earth and it's not their value? Well, I did say that there were ethical and moral issues that yes. I have with it. Um, there yes. is no question. Um, well, my, my consent was informed, but remember it started as a baby, so I didn't have much choice. Right. Um, informed consent is only as good as your ability to understand what's being explained to you as well. Sure. So, yeah, they do have that value. And Graham, I've said to him, you know, I've got this rotten autoimmune disease that's caused me a lot of grief. My children have suffered and you've stolen my children. And he has been incredibly guilt-ridden and repentant. And he said, I know that these things happen and it is our fault. It happens a lot. It doesn't happen all the time and we haven't sorted that out yet. He also told me that in earlier stages of the hybrid breeding program, up to 80% of the babies would die, the fetuses. So, you know, I have huge issues with that. So it doesn't meet with my beliefs or my moral and ethical values at all. But it's happened to me. What am I going to do? Fall apart or deal with it? Am I going to love my children or hate them? It wasn't their fault. They didn't choose to be born. They didn't choose to be part of this experiment. And I love them exactly the same as my kids on earth. And I think that is why my perception is slightly different to some. But they do recognize that it's it's unethical too. I mean, you know, because it's any time that you're imposing your will on someone and they're not consenting to it, whether they're informed or not. Um, totally. Yes, I 100% you know. agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't like it. And but, but they but they understand that that that's an ethical issue. They do understand that's an ethical issue. Um, I said to a girlfriend who who does know these details that um, that somehow I I consented to to this, and she said, "Well, Jane, it's like being date raped. You consented, but under the influence of drugs when you didn't remember what was on earth." I thought, "No, oh, that's true." Mm -hmm. yeah, we have a drug on earth. Sorry, called hypnobal. No, I'm going to say drug, I mean medical, medical therapeutic that we use as a light anaesthetic and people don't remember. And it was developed. Oh, yeah. Midazolam. It was developed during the Cold War as a truth serum. Mm -hmm. Now, what they do to us, that's the closest I can give you. It's like that. I think Just it sounds like Versed is the drug, I think, in the United States. Versed is, does the same thing. Might be the same drug. It might be. They have different brand yeah. names, yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 not right, and and it's it's not really hundred percent consensual. And take me back to the beginning of my life. I'd rather have done without it. Trust me. But mm-hmm. I have three children, one grandbaby, Graham, who I adore, and a whole realm of knowledge that I wouldn't have gotten any other way. So. Yeah, yeah, I can fall apart and go abuse. I'm a mess, but what's the point? What well, that's the point? right. There's a there's a gift in 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 every negative experience. If you choose to find it, there is a gift. Well, it's my children. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, as you asked earlier, of course I recognize them immediately. Yeah, <laughs> I, I imagine I I imagine I would as well. I I feel yeah. like I probably would. Chuck, you have a question? Yes, I do. A man question. Well, I don't know if it's a man question, but what I want what I wanted to say was, you know, through this whole talk that we've had, um, and the fact you've explained that their 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 planet is gone and they're they're working off artificial life uh, setup, um, I could see the human race in the same setting doing the same thing, trying well, to we save have their to, no. We have done the same thing. We've experimented on people against their yeah. But consent. I'm saying you know just Regular. say like right, no, but, you know, not- like they. Right, they're saying. I'm just saying That's they don't like have a planet. Us. They have nothing. They don't have a planet. They don't have anything. So they're trying to incorporate themselves so they can come here and be part of a planet where they That's can right. live the way they're not living now. So if the humans, if Earth was destroyed and we're all living in bubbles and we had to get to this other planet, we would probably be doing the same thing, trying to figure out okay. ethical or non-ethical, trying to figure out how can we, with the least amount of doing that get our own race to be able to be saved. That's all I'm saying. Well, aren't we trying to find a way to live on Mars, just in case the planet blows mm-hmm. up? Right, exactly. No, it seems, seems to be. Yeah, so we are, that's a really good point. We are doing the same thing. Now, I just on the spaceship, something else I saw was this massive DNA bank. You know how we've got seed banks on Earth? Well, this yeah. was DNA banks, not seeds. So they've got plants from all over their planet, but other places as well. Um, and they've also got animal DNA. So, so they propagate I, from DNA as opposed to yeah. growing things. Got it. Yeah. Yes. So they're, they're doing this hybrid breeding, splicing DNA thing with the greys or the people, for want of another word, but they've just got DNA banks for all the animals and plants. Now, in the middle of this massive spaceship, if you look down off the great verandas, is a park. <laughs> Grass. And trees, I mean pots, granted, but, you know, and it's part of teaching the hybrids that we have these things on Earth, plus obviously they produce oxygen and they breathe oxygen too. But um, that was the most surprising thing that I had seen there. So, yeah, they're just doing it on a grander scale and they've been doing it for generations. We're only just starting to do all these things. Right. Like trying to find another planet to live on, saving seeds. Right. You know, so we got that technology from them as well. Huh. Well, Jane, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface, but we've actually come to the part of the show that we call Shameless Self-Promotion Corner, where you can tell people, you can shamelessly self-promote, tell people where they can learn more about you, any projects that you have that they might be interested in, that type of thing. Okay. (laughs) Shameless self-promotion. Right. I'm I'm writing a book, and I called it Humalian, which I've already copywritten, as in human alien, you know, the word spot as well. And it is simply a 
it's chapters, but they're basically standalone short stories as well about all of these experiences in sequence so that they make sense because obviously I go off on tangents when we're talking like this. So it isn't yet published, but it will be. I'm on Facebook. I have a page called Jane Cooler UFOs. I have a personal page that I don't let people I don't know all over the world join, but, I, you know, for my friends. Um, Cheryl's already on it. <laughs> oh. Obviously, once I've met and trust you can go on my personal page, but I don't want my family photos. Yeah, yeah, you can right. I get it. <laughs> Spread out. So yeah, um, so that's the best way to contact me. Um, I've got a website half done, to be honest. I don't want to be too famous. I want to help people, and yeah. I want to, you know, a, a lot of other mothers have had similar experiences. Have come to me privately, and it's just free, and we just talk. And it helps them. You know, all these, pro- these psychological processes I've gone through, I'm willing to talk to other mothers in the same situation, or fathers for that matter. Fathers grieve too, of course. Um, so I think it's mostly about that. Okay. Yeah, and so the sh- best way to find me is Facebook. Cheryl mentions that you also have a story upcoming in an upcoming issue of Paranormal Underground. I do. <laughs> I've sent her a short story and I've written the bio and I, she's given me a list of questions to answer. So... That's probably easier for some because, again, it's sequential, it's non-tangential and, you know, I'll just answer the questions instead of going off. <laughs> we sort of, I know, we, we're, we're big meanders <laughs> on this show. We, we eventually get there, but we take a lot of detours. <laughs> so. uh, it's my way of talking too. <laughs> yeah, which we enjoy. Well, I have really enjoyed um, having you come on the show and I hope that you'll come back after your book is done. Come back, let's have another chat. I'd love to, you have all been, and, and Rick Hale at the start of this, just lovely and welcoming and encouraging and supportive and I haven't felt some of the things that you feel in the world, judged and critical, you know, because I, I, I'm very selective who I would talk to about this stuff, as you can understand. I do understand. So, well, yeah. So thank you very much for being so nice about it, all of you. You're welcome. Thank you very much. We appreciate you coming on and uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks. And I hope that this will help others. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye, All right, Cheryl, Mike on. Yes. Thank you so much, Jane, for for coming on the show. That was fascinating. It really was a very different perspective from, you know, and and not all the sciencey talk that we sometimes get into. And I enjoy that. So, Cheryl, um, what do we have coming up on upcoming episodes of the show? Should I go now? Um, you can hang up or you can sit and listen. It's up to you. Whatever you would like. I'll go. I've got stuff to do. But really All right. Love it. Thank you, Jane. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. So, so what do we have coming up here on the Mix LR, which, by the way, two shows under our belts now, and I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Are you feeling good? You're the one pushing the buttons. Yeah, I hope I'm pushing the buttons the right way. I think I am. Chad's listening in the chat room along with our other chatters, and I think uh, everything's going well. Um, I need to add a few uh, new songs to the mix now that I've got the hang of it, so you guys mm-hmm. don't have to hear the same ones every week. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Other than that, um, yeah, next week we're going to be continuing the UFO extraterrestrial theme, and um, actually it's going to be another researcher from Australia joining us next week. It's Rob Newitt from the Terra UFO Network in Australia. So we're going to do UFOs two weeks in a row? Two weeks in a row. God. You will be, 
UFO'd out after next No, time. you know, it'll I, be I, interesting I, to compare and contrast and maybe hear a different viewpoint. True. Yeah. I just yeah. have to come up with more questions because, you know. Yep. You did great. I imagine did okay? that Rob will have some cases that uh, we can y you can discuss with him. And, Neat. Um, yep. As, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know anything about his personal experiences or if he has any or if he um, strictly does research through his UFO, through the UFO network there. I'm not sure. Cool. Mm -hmm. We'll yep. work it out. We always do. Yep. I, know, I didn't get to ask about like animals, like taking animals up and stuff. That's one of the things I didn't get to. Well, she said though that they have a, a the DNA, DNA banks for animals. Oh well, yeah, okay. So that's okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yep. So that's. I'm just, yeah, you can save the save that question again for next week. You never know. Rob may be able to give you an answer. Okay, I will. All right. Good. <laughs> okay. So and then, um, are we are we full up for October? <laughs> we sure are. We're full up. We've got ghosts for the rest of the. Not, no, that's that's not true. We've got two weeks of ghosts: October twenty second and November second. Oh, that's that's actually. Let me let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. October. 22nd, you really seem to be. Yes. I am way ahead of myself. Is Katie Montana Jordan? She's yay KMJ. Yeah. Mm. With the Katie Oregon, Montana. With Oregon Paranormal and Paranormal Research and Investigations. Mm -hmm. she's, and she's lovely. She's yes, she is. Yes, lovely. she is she lovely. Has written for Paranormal Underground Magazine in the past, and she is going to talk about in investigating the paranormal perhaps her own personal experiences and all kinds of good stuff. About well, and she's the occult specialist for, um, for oh. Oregon Paranormal. So she, we could have some interesting conversations with Katie Montana. Yes, yes. and she's very lovely too, by the way. Yes, Chuck's crushing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you right. know, he's single and ready to mingle. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, I like that, single and ready to I'm, mingle. I'm pretty sure October 29th, guest is married but i'm not 100 percent on that that's winter bellfire she's gonna Darn. talk about magic and lore which is a good topic for halloween week and Fine. she is the uh a column writer for paranormal underground magazine and appropriately she writes the magic and lore column every month and that's going to be a fun halloween show so stay tuned for that and then now i'm going to just skip ahead to november 12th because we have a guest that i am really excited to talk to we've Profile Michelle Pillow, our author spotlight writer for the magazine. Is Michelle coming on? No, but one oh. one one profile that she did was on William Hall. He's an, he's a paranormal author, and he has written several books about famous cases uh, dealing with ghosts and hauntings and that type of thing. I've read the first book um, called the world's most haunted house the true story of the bridgeport poltergeist on lindley street and right now i'm in the middle of his newest book the haunted house diaries the true story of a quiet connecticut town in the center of a paranormal mystery nice Ooh. fun so do we not have a guest for november 2nd yet or did you already mention it it's in the works i did not mention it okay and so so far we do not but uh, okay november Yep, that's so anybody want to be a guest, call us. Yeah, I, actually the Holla! fifth. It would be Holla! November fifth. So yeah, <laughs> Ed, email me editor at paranormalunderground.net. Speaking I of know emailing you, yes. you um, send us your dreams, your dreams, your dreams, your dreams. We need to interpret your dreams. I have a burning need to interpret your dreams. And here's the thing: I don't have to know who you are. You just can send it anonymously. You, you have Cheryl has to know who you are because it's going to come from your email to her. But she then makes it completely anonymous for me, and Cheryl never tells. I never tell. She's never. very discreet, and you know, um, 
dreams have meanings and it, you know some of them are kind of weird <laughs> So if you have one of those weird dreams and you think, well, did I eat a pizza or does this have a meaning? <laughs> Just send it to Cheryl and, and we'll she'll send it to me and we'll interpret it and send it back to you. And it'll also go in the magazine in my wonderful dream analysis column. All right, dr- all right dream queen. I got a question for you. Well, uh, if you eat like pickles before you bed or pizza, is it like a myth thing or what? That's a myth. It is. Oh, you know what? It, it's, it's likely to give you is heartburn. And actually, you know what? No, Farts. every night before I go to bed, I eat a pepperoncini, and really? I never. It doesn't do it. Yeah, I crave them. Oh, every night before I go to bed, I crave a spicy pepperoncini. What the, what the hell is a pepperoncini? So, a pepperoncini is a pickled pepper. Ew! Really? It's like mm-hmm. a it's like a pepper ring. Basically. Yeah, you know those little yellow pepper rings that you see in like salad bars and stuff? Oh, I love yeah. those things. Mm. Yeah, they've got them at Subway or Toto. Delicious. Yeah. Hey, I don't know about Karen, that, but... so Chad's mm-hmm. listening to the show right now, and you were talking yeah. about dream interpretations. Yeah. He said, do you want people to write in that that have possible dream, like waking dreams, like when they're waking yeah. up? Like what, how he yeah. has episodes when he wakes up? Yeah. And how does that translate into a dream interpretation is it a dream or is it real or is it too i don't know maybe he should send it to me anonymously okay (laughs) (laughs) good idea yeah and then i'll get the waking dream and i'll be like oh this is chad yeah Yeah. hey did you uh, dear chad (laughs) so hey this has been another great show we had a good conversation with jane pooley she was a lot of a lot of fun and very interesting and what a nice lady too she was nice yes i I know see her it was cool I know. So um, we will be back next week at 6 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. in Illinois and other flyover states. 8. 8, 8 p.m. 8, folks. Not yeah. 7. Don't listen to Karen. Because I live in the flyover state. I'll give you the true time. 8 to 10. Okay? From 8 to 10. And other yeah. times in other flyover states. So 6 p.m. Pacific. 9 p.m. Eastern and other times in the flyover states. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark here on Mix LR. You all have a good evening. Thank you. Good evening. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.